0: And now it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquart. Welcome
1: to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquart on uh, 930 a.m. The Answer, Apple Podcasts, and TalkLawRadio.com. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary and therefore the information should be coordinated only with uh, your individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. New businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in guardianships and probate. Check out our blog at marquartlawfirm.com and read about questions about how to qualify for Medicaid or Veterans Aid in Attendance. Ask about our Advanced Elder Plan of Action. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to talk about the law on the radio. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, failing to do your will. Please help Barbara Lambert and me give good information about visiting elderly loved ones during the holidays. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. You can always email me at host at talklawradio.com if you have ideas for show topics, that's H-O-S as in Sam, T is in Timothy, at TalkLawRadio.com. Today we're talking to Barbara Lambert. It's going to be a great show. She's going to be helping us understand what a senior might go through during the holidays and uh, best practices about what we can do to make the holidays uh, more enjoyable for them and for us. Being unexpectedly thrust into the role of caregiving is overwhelming. Barbara Lambert, president of Home to Home for Seniors, eliminates the confusion and those continuous worries. Her experience connects you with the best resources available for you and your loved ones. She has even become a contributing board member of the Patient Institute, a nonprofit helping families navigate the health care system and take control of their own health care. She was significant in establishing a charitable fund, a small pool charitable donation earmarked for discretionary funding for temporary care in the support of a senior. Barbara consults with you one-on-one, step-by-step, making finding your way through this difficult process much smoother smoother, so you can take the wisest safest decisions for your loved ones and now here's barbara to walk you through that journey a journey that no one should have to take alone welcome barbara
2: thank you todd good to be here again how are you good good and yourself getting um, ready well for the holidays? that's
1: what i was going to ask you yes uh we're getting ready um, getting my mom ready and then we're gonna have more turkey and more pie at my sister-in-law's house. Okay, so I usually gain about five pounds between now and the end of the year and then I go to t- go to work on uh, just eating vegetables for lunch.
2: Okay Well, I've been having that self-talk <laughs> since this morning that I'm only gonna have one piece of pie at a time, maybe at a day. <laughs> Wow. Rather than splitting the pie with somebody. It's
1: not enough. (laughs) See, this is eggnog season.
2: Oh, no, not for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tell us uh, a little bit about your background, uh, where you come from, and how you got into this line of work.
2: Sure. Well, I am originally from the Chicago area, and um, when I came to San Antonio, I decided I was ready for a career change. And so I threw my resume out there, and an assisted living hired me. And I did. I thought everything was a nursing home mm-hmm. back then. You know, it's made, gosh, has it been 15 years or so? And didn't understand the different levels of care. And I interviewed for the job. They they liked me, but it was obvious that I knew nothing about <laughs> the industry. So I had a big learning curve. But I fell in love with it. I've always had an affinity for seniors throughout my life, even growing up. And so it just seemed like a good fit. And um, when I worked for a community, I I loved it, and then the community sold. And once that community sold, I, you know, worked again in the industry at another community, and then I went to a national referral company and loved it, and it sold, and so I created Home to Home for Seniors so you could be your own boss and i could help everybody yeah. because in a community i felt limited they had to meet the parameters of the community mm-hmm. and at the national referral company you know it got to be a little pressure of you know help those that you can and those that you can't move on and i thought if somebody that i doesn't have the finances comes across my plate if i don't take a few minutes and help them who will right and so that's kind of the premise for Home to home for seniors. And so we help everybody that comes across our plate, no matter how they're funded, if they're funded, um, and point them to the resources that'll get them the appropriate care that they need. Okay. So you mentioned your affinity for
1: seniors. Um, I think my affinity for seniors started when I was a kid. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents because my mm-hmm. parents were divorced, and and so my my grandparents would drive me. To wherever I needed to go because my mom had to go back to work. and And so they were there to take care of me, make sure that I wasn't home alone.
2: You know, I can remember growing up that I came from a family of six kids and my parents were school teachers. And our babysitters were older women, not relatives, that I don't know how they knew them, but they were older women. And I can remember just sitting and listening hours on end to their stories. Mm-hmm. They had the time to play the games, and it was it was a really neat experience to have. Yeah.
1: Okay. So you you've been operating home-to-home for seniors, and so what do you think is unique about your business that makes you successful?
2: Well, as you're going to hear today, I have a lot of stories to tell about family advisement, and it's so important when I'm doing family advisement, when any of us at Home to Home for Seniors are helping a family, to know the story. Not just how much can you afford, what's wrong, you know, what kind of care do you need, but it's to, it's to find out that story. Find out who that person is that you're helping because we're helping somebody find the right level of care where they're more than likely going to spend the rest of their life and the rest of their money. Mm -hmm. And a senior, the last thing they want to do is move from their home, in most cases, and they don't want to move twice. So we strive to get it right the first time, and we often do. And um, it just improves the quality of a senior's life from now till the end of life.
1: And so you get some satisfied clients and families from you helping them navigate that process.
2: Yeah, more than just a few. (laughs) I'd like to think everyone has had a good experience that comes across Home to Home for Seniors. Check our Google reviews.
1: (laughs) Great. Okay. So today we're going to be focusing on the holidays because it's almost Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, and then Christmas will be right around the corner, followed Mm -hmm. by New Year's. Mm -hmm. And those are all times when families generally get together
2: right Mm -hmm. some coming from afar some are local and as we spoke earlier in the green room that it can be a very emotional time the holidays especially for someone who lives far away and is traveling in for the holiday Mm -hmm. and sometimes the changes that they see and that's what I wanted to talk about today and how to handle how to address that
1: and what changes to look for
2: right exactly
1: Okay, so we're going to be talking about the holidays, um, what to look for, and uh, how to help our seniors through that process. If you have questions about this, you can probably call Barbara, right? Yes, they can. Or uh, email you or go to your website?
2: Any of the above. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, tell us one way. You can call me at 210-899-7080. We answer the phone seven days a week. Okay. And your website,
1: what would that be? HomeToHomeForSeniors.com. And that's H-O-M-E, the number two, H-O-M-E. The number four. Seniors.com. And then Seniors.com. But okay. you can also
2: do it without the two and four. You can do two O and F-O-R.
1: Oh, okay. I'm flexible. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> probably good that you did that since people could get confused with... Uh, how to spell everything. They can. Okay, so we're about to take a break. Um, when we come back from the break, we'll be talking about the holidays and seniors and what to do and how to get through it you know, in the best way possible. Family dynamics can uh, affect, oh they sure can, <laughs> the celebrations of the holidays. And so you might want to keep your your mind open to what's happening. Um, and another thing that I thought of is um, making sure that our, our loved ones have their legal affairs in order. That's so important. I'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, so we'll be right back. We're going to take a break.
3: Have you been wanting to learn about a will or a trust, but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marcourt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marcourt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future.
1: Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Barbara Lambert, president of Home to Home for Seniors. We're talking about what the holidays are like for seniors and what the holidays are like for the families who are um, meeting with seniors. Barbara, I had a question. What would it be like for uh, a senior – who used to come to the holiday parties all the time, but for some reason doesn't want to come this year.
2: Yeah, or different than that, what if they do come and everyone says, oh, my gosh, what's happened to Todd? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? How do you approach that? I remember um, a family I was talking to, her name was Laura, and we were talking about Thanksgiving, and she said that every Thanksgiving her aunt hosted holiday the Thanksgiving dinner. And everybody came. If you're breathing, you came. Mm -hmm. And one year, um, her aunt said she wasn't coming. And what was the reason? Well, they didn't know yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were like, what's up with that, that she's not coming? So they had the Thanksgiving dinner, and some people went off to the assisted living and visited her. But how do you handle that? And another time, Laura talked about um, the last Thanksgiving that her mom came to at her aunt's house. Mm-hmm. And her mom didn't want to come because she was in a wheelchair. And there were three steps to get up into the house, and she didn't know how she would manage that. And Laura told her, Mom, you're coming to Thanksgiving dinner. Don't worry. We're going to figure it out, but you're coming. And Laura said she'll never forget her 18-year-old nephew who was there picked up his grandma and carried her up the stairs and brought her into Thanksgiving dinner. And he said, you're my grandma. You're coming to Thanksgiving dinner. And she was like, wow, eight, 18. Yeah. A rough, tough football player. He was a freshman in college. He Thank hadn't goodness. seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he needed to be a little built. He hadn't seen uh, his grandma since graduation. And then all summer, you know, he's busy, and then he went off to college, and here he was home for Thanksgiving dinner. And the big change he saw, you yeah, know, it was pretty pretty impactful.
1: Even when uh, the children are, are not large and able to uh, pick people up and move people around, I think it's still helpful for them to do things for their grandparents. My oldest son, Reagan... Uh, when he was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, or ten, remember him uh, always opening the door for her and uh, with, for my grandmother. So that was his great grandmother.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, kids—they everybody comes at it from a different way when dealing with older people. And sometimes you know, it's good to have that conversation with the younger children that grandpa or grandma may not remember your name, but they still love you, mm-hmm. and to just prepare them for that so they, they're not scared or confused by that. So let's say that there's a teenager that's gone away to college like uh, Laura's nephew had, and they've been away for a while, and they come back and they see a perceptible difference in somebody So I talked to another family, Um, we'll say that um, the father's name was Chad, and he had a son that went away to college. Last time, Chad had seen, uh, his son had seen Chad's mom, which was his grandma, was again at graduation, Mm -hmm. and she was declining even then. And so here was Thanksgiving, and Chad wanted his three boys, two in high school, one in college, to come visit his mom, who was now living in the nursing home. And it was just important to him, to Chad, that he wanted them to be okay with Grandma being in the nursing home. So they went in to visit, and the first son who was in high school sat across from Grandma kind of like we are and said, Well, Grandma, I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm on the football team. I'm in National Honor Society. And on he went and told her a little bit about him. Himself and, you know, grandma didn't really acknowledge anything. And Chad, Chad's heart was just aching because he wanted her to just acknowledge or connect Mm -hmm. with what he Mm -hmm. was saying. But she didn't. She couldn't. And so the next son, who was also in high school, said grandma. And pretty much on he went with his whole list of what he was doing. And no response. No response. And so um, they all left the room the kids and Chad and his wife left the room. And then the college, the one in college came back in to talk to grandma. And he sat next to grandma. And he picked up her hand. And he started talking to her saying, grandma, I remember when and started reminiscing mm-hmm. about all the things they'd done together when, you know, we make cookies together when um, you let us stay up late, watch scary movies and not tell mom and that we were up late. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you took me for a ride in that funny car, (laughs) it made me promise not to tell anybody that we took that trip. And he was sitting next to her. He even put his arm around her and was tapping her hand and going on with other memories. And he always started with, Grandma, I remember when. Still no response. And so he got up to leave. And as he was leaving, Chad came back in to tell his mom goodbye. And he said there was this big grin on her face. And he thought somehow that last son that spoke to her connected. Somehow or she heard something. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty moving moment. So touch is one of the last senses that we lose. And when communicating, even though it sounds like maybe they're not listening or it looks like maybe they're not listening or maybe they're not understanding, I think just taking that time and that touch is extremely helpful in communicating.
1: That's a good tip. And, and maybe the type of conversation, the, the content of conversation. Right, taking her
2: back, remember when, mm-hmm. things that they did. I don't think she could relate to the sophomore and what he's doing today, but she could because she's in the nursing home, but she can remember things that they did in the past, perhaps we don't know. She's yeah. pretty unresponsive, but the big grin was kind of telling.
1: Well, one of my grandparents, uh, before she lost her memory, uh, we took a car trip, uh, a long road trip to Colorado, and um, we talked about how hard it was for her when she was a, you know, a, a baby and a, a toddler, you know, growing up in the old west, <laughs> <laughs> and how hard she had to work to to make a living and and make a home for her family. So that's the legacy I, I I remember of her as her strong work ethic mm-hmm. and 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 just taking care of the family. That's that's all she knew.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to visit people, especially during the holidays, that are in the nursing home. And when you do go, if you do happen to go to the nursing home to visit somebody and, you know, a lot of your family may be going with you and their room is pretty crowded. But when you walk down the hall, look and see how many of the rooms there's nobody else in there. Mm -hmm. Or you walk by people sitting in the hall and they're like in their wheelchair. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you just stop and say something to them? Because we don't know they may not have you may be the only voice they hear that day.
1: My my dad did that for us when we were kids. At, at least I thought it was some kind of lesson for us <laughs> because we didn't know anybody there. Um, but before we went to church, we, we did stop by a nursing home. And um, what he did is he asked somebody at the front desk, is there somebody here that's nice. not going to have a, a visitor? And they know you know, whose family shows up. You're right. You're exactly
2: that. right. When I was living back in Illinois and I was the Girl Scout leader, at Christmas time we would go to the nursing home and they would tell us who was there that we could visit okay. and make a difference too. So some of the Girl Scouts and I would go and do the visit. And I remember one year um, one of the Girl Scouts named Melody said, my grandma's in that nursing home. But I've never gone to see her. My dad's always asked me to go, and but I could never go see her. I just didn't want to go. And she said, you know, could could I visit her? And I told her, well, she's not on the list, but <clears throat> let me see. You know, if you want to do it, you know, I'll see if we can make it happen. She said, yeah, I want to do it. And so she went in there um, to visit her grandma. And her grandma didn't recognize her, so it was hard for mm-hmm. her. She was, I don't know, 13. My bet. And her grandma was holding a baby doll. And it was pretty disconcerting to this young girl. Mm-hmm. And so she spoke to her grandma. Her grandma really didn't respond. But she saw there was a bulletin board on the wall uh, across from her bed. And on that bulletin board was a picture of her grandma and her. And she thought, wow, it was pretty moving for her to see that. And so she had the visit, and she, she felt great. You know, that picture, seeing that picture of her and her grandma Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, never wanting to go. She was afraid to go when her dad would ask her. So that was a great experience.
1: I I hear that every now and then from clients um, who say that uh, a family member refuses to visit um, because it's uncomfortable for them to, to face that reality.
2: Yeah, I remember when I was nine years old, I went to visit somebody in the nursing home and some lady was calling me to her room, not knowing any different. I thought, oh, she must need something. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and she was so vividly pointing out the window to me at somebody hanging clothes up on the clothesline, which there was nobody out there. There was no clothesline out her window. And it was so troubling to me that she was so convinced Mm -hmm. as to what she was seeing and wanted me to see it. And it just kind of scared me. I didn't understand what was going on.
1: But despite those hard realities, uh, it still probably means something to have a visitor.
2: Sure, sure. There are so many that won't have a visitor this year, not for Thanksgiving, not for Christmas. So if you are if you have the time, can you say hello <laughs> to somebody? Yeah, Be,
1: uh, imagine if that was us yeah uh, we would want long for that human contact. So if you have a family member in the nursing home, it it's a good idea to go visit and we'll be talking a little bit about um, what happens when you are visiting during the Thanksgiving dinner how to handle some of these uh, issues with seniors. We're going to take another break, and when we come back, we'll be with uh, Barbara Lambert, president of Home to Home for Seniors. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marcourt on 930 AM The Answer Apple Podcasts, and TalkLawRadio.com. here with Barbara Lambert, president of Home to Home for Seniors, who is talking with me about seniors during the holidays.
2: Have you ever walked into your grandma's house, and as you walk through the home, there's what used to be the desk, and it was always cleared off, and now you can see there's piles of envelopes that don't look like they're opening that they've been opened and you hate to ruffle through them, but your hand just starts going over there and, oh, my gosh, there's the electric bell. That's concerning. And then you walk a little further into the room and you look into the bedroom and you see some changes in the bedroom and maybe the bathroom doesn't look the same as it used to. You know, if you can think back when you would go visit Grandma, what did the house smell like, especially at the holiday times?
1: Well, my memories of the the holidays for my grandparents was always food. Yeah. What's cooking? Yeah. That's, that's when we would visit is to have a meal.
2: I remember my grandma always had an apron on and there would be flour head to toe <laughs> <laughs> all over because she was always baking. But what if you go and you notice that grandma always had a dress on and her pearl necklace and... Grandma always had her nails done. Grandma always wore those pretty slippers and not happening when you go there this yeah, time. Yeah, I,
1: I would have noticed if some, something had been off there.
2: Yeah, or Grandma always had an apron on and you go today and she's never apron on. And there's no cookies waiting for you. The ones that she would make that had maybe the apricot filling or the raspberry filling that were your favorites, they're not there. Or the butterscotch, or those originals. Yeah, so what happens when you look at Grandma and you see her sitting there in her sweater and you're like, you can see her shoulders, and it's the bones. You can see the bones. It's a big change. Yeah, that
1: would be a big change.
2: It just sort of looks like she's drooping Mm -hmm. in her sweater. Because she usually doesn't look like that. And oh my gosh, Grandpa, what if Grandpa is showing some changes as well. Like his shirt isn't buttoned up correctly. Or maybe he always wore a collared shirt, and today he's wearing a shirt that looks like his pajamas. Or maybe when he always wore his black pants, he had on his black belt, and now he's wearing pants with an elastic waist. What's happening? Or he's always clean-shaven, and he had an awesome mustache, and... He always had a mustache, and now there's no mustache. Grandma would get her hair done every week, and now she's got gray hair. Never knew Grandma had gray hair. What happens? That's not my grandma. That's not my grandpa. Or what's going on with Dad? Dad never would have piles of paper all over the place. He would read the newspaper, fold it, and put it in the trash and be done with it. And now where he sits, there's piles of newspaper all around. So when you've been away for a while, and you look at the person, you look at the house, and you see those changes, how do you respond to that? That's what you need to find out. You know, some
1: changes that I hear about in my practice are when somebody notices the car. You know, With all the dents? With dents, <laughs> yeah. And, and you ask, what happened? And, and they deny it. Oh, nothing. I don't know.
2: Yeah, my dad, I, I couldn't believe he took that car to renew his license with all the dents. <laughs> Nobody seemed to question <laughs> what all the dents were. <laughs> but how do you handle when you see these changes? And there's a big difference in the conversation that you're going to have. And you don't want to go to attack mode. Mm-hmm. So the difference is not going into attack mode. And asking gentle questions. Like what? Well, it's normal for us to say, hey, what's going on? <laughs> right. Why aren't these bills paid? Did you pay that electric bill? Or what are these papers all around? What's going on? And that's not, that's not the way to do it.
1: Because they get defensive. Oh,
2: it's not going to get you anywhere. No, we're good. So in asking questions, you might say, hey, I'm noticing that you don't have your, you know, whatever it is. You don't, you don't have your fancy slippers on today. Where are they? Or, hey, I noticed that um, the papers are still here from the last couple days. Can I take them out for you or and maybe find out what what is going on? Um, you could ask them any questions about maybe, you know, something about the kitchen, something about their clothes, something about... You know, the chair that they sit in or the surroundings. But just asking some gentle questions to try to kind of assess what's happening. And when you go into the bathroom, what does that look like? Then you walk into the bedroom, what does that look like? And just observe and see those changes that are happening and how you can help.
1: I guess the situation could vary depending on the person and the The new medical problems that are probably creeping up.
2: Yeah, that have been diagnosed or not yet diagnosed. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe somebody can't walk as well anymore. Maybe somebody can't remember, maybe she can't remember how to cook the cookie, make the cookies anymore. doesn't want to tell you. But it's just asking those questions. Why weren't the cookies there for me this year?
1: Yeah, well, it's important to open the communication somehow.
2: It is, it is. And be gentle in doing so. And may I preface that with not having this conversation at the Thanksgiving table (laughs) where there's 17 family members Mm -hmm. and one or two declining seniors Mm -hmm. that it it can ruin a whole meal. So that would be a conversation to have afterwards, you know, um, maybe one-on-one with them Mm -hmm. and not when they feel like they're being ganged up Mm -hmm. on. That's a good tip to remember. Thanksgiving isn't the opportunity to have a family meeting about where we're going to put mom and dad. Or Grandma and Grandpa. Right. That's that's a great way to ruin a family gathering, especially for the senior.
1: Yeah, I remember that movie, uh, Grand Torino, with uh, Clint Eastwood. Mm -hmm. And on on the dad's birthday, they bring in the brochures for the assisted living. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't do that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, don't do that.
1: Okay, so... After the, after the meal, when everybody's uh, feeling satisfied and, and, and not all uptight, then you can ask some of those questions about how everything's going. Sure.
2: And just kind of see, you know, how they're spending their day. You know, if she, why isn't she getting her hair done anymore? Maybe she can't drive. Grandpa can't drive. Maybe she forgot that she used to go get her hair done. I mean, that was, how many women, geez, that was a ritual every week. Mm-hmm. My mom, every week, she had a French twist for a long time. Wow. <laughs> and a million bobby pins stuck in her hair. And it was, a, it was a ritual back then to go.
1: You know, something else that I hear a lot is uh, where there's a family with uh, multiple adult children. You know, maybe one adult child lives in the same city as the older person and, and the other child moved uh, far away, and so they haven't been back home in, in quite some time. And maybe they're they're the most surprised
2: they to are. see the decline. Mm-hmm. When you see somebody every day, you don't see the gradual changes, but when you go, you know, six months or a year between you seeing them, they can be drastic, and and you're in shock that nobody's noticing. Yeah, but you,
1: yeah, and the the adult child that lives in the same city, maybe they're um, defensive as well.
2: Yes, yes, they can be, and because they don't want to um, look as though maybe they're not taking care of things at hand. Mm-hmm. And also, I have found kind of funny, and I think I fall into this realm myself. Is the sibling that lives the furthest away, that has the least ability to participate in the care, has the most to say.
1: <laughs> yeah. For sometimes for good and sometimes for yeah. bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we always think it's for good. Yeah. <laughs> we always think we know. But um, we need to be sensitive to those that are on the ground locally there uh, doing the care every day. It's easy from afar to uh, make suggestions, but it's very, very hard work, especially when you bring uh, a senior into your home to live your mom, your dad, your grandma. Mm -hmm. Very hard. The toll that it takes emotionally, the toll that it takes financially, and the toll that it takes on the caregiver's health. It's amazing how it affects the stress of caring for someone you love, how negatively it affects your health. I was reading that even up to three years later, after the caregiving duties are done, a person's health is still affected to the point that they um, often wind up with a chronic illness themselves. Yeah. It affects the autoimmune system from that stress.
1: And especially if you didn't get to go out. You know, if you're the caregiver oh, yeah. and you
2: stay at home. You're homebound long. as well. Right. Yeah, you have to get up. You know, if a caregiver tries to be the hero and do it all themselves, it's it's not going to have a good outcome generally on the caregiver anyway. It's, um, you know, they're going to be short on patients and they may snap <laughs> right. at the parent, right. you know, and have regrets over delivering some ugly remarks because of just the pressure of never having a break. Maybe they're up late at night and then they're up during the day. I can remember when the kids were babies, and when one of the babies didn't sleep through the night and the next day, boy, I was not a pleasant mom to be mm-hmm. around <laughs> mm-hmm. if I was sure to sleep and then they were whining about something again. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard. so you have to, if you're going to take that duty on, there must be a plan to give the caregiver a break, or we're going to have a double crisis going on at the same time, that of the caregiver and that of the person getting care.
1: There was another situation where I, I had a client who uh, the out-of-town child wanted to move the older person to, to live in another state.
2: Oh, my. How how old was the older person?
1: Very old. 80s, 90s? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the doctor said, no, that would have been too disruptive.
2: Yeah. It's detrimental. When somebody has lived in their home successfully into their 90s even the thought of moving to the assisted living at 97 years old where they've lived alone for the last 25 years and now they're moving into into a community where there's 60 70 other people that's just a drastic change.
1: I guess i'm I'm used to it. I think that would be like a resort living if
2: <laughs> so just think uh, I can relate a little bit to the pandemic. When we were home and stuck at home for so long, and then the first time that we were able to go out, you know, we were feeling a little anxious. I was feeling a little anxious mm-hmm. about going mm-hmm. out. I know everyone maybe wasn't that way, but I was feeling a little anxious about going out. So add, you know, 60 years to that. Right. And home and haven't left the home for a very long time, it's it's just too overwhelming for somebody older.
1: We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the holidays is it uh, gonna be happy and fun or is it gonna be a wake-up call okay so stay tuned
3: Have you been wanting to learn about a will or a trust, but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marcourt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marcourt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future.
1: Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquart here on 930 AM The Answer, Apple Podcasts, and TalkLawRadio.com with Barbara Lambert, president of Home to Home for Seniors, talking about the holidays with a senior.
2: Okay, so why do people sometimes lose interest in going to the holiday dinner? or going to somebody's home for Christmas. I know why I do. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because you didn't buy a gift? (laughs) Or those family
1: members are going to be there that give you a hard time.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's always um, No Boundaries Betty that's Mm -hmm. at somebody's family gathering (laughs) that doesn't have a good filter on things that she says, and that kind of makes you dread a little bit being around No Boundaries Betty. But sometimes people lose interest. You know, older people, especially there's depression that happens during the holidays and isolation uh, brings on depression oftentimes. And so, you know, maybe maybe they don't want to come around because they have arthritis in their hands now. And maybe they can no longer do what they love to do. They love to knit or maybe it was making cookies and they just can't do it anymore.
1: Or maybe they feel bad that they're not the
2: one making the turkey. Yeah. Or they used to make the turkey, Mm -hmm. and now they can't, so why would they even want me to go? What's the use? Or maybe they don't remember how, and they're embarrassed. Or maybe she didn't get her hair done, Mm -hmm. and now she looks terrible and she doesn't want to go. I hear that excuse pretty often. Or maybe it's hard for her to get up and down the stairs And she doesn't want anyone to know that. So she makes an excuse about why she can't come.
1: All of the reasons are not readily apparent.
2: They're not. And then, you know, a very prevalent one is incontinence. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to go because they're wearing a pull-up. And they're afraid the pull-up's going to smell or they don't know how to change it when they're at somebody else's home. So it's just easier not to go. That's That's a big one. When our body functions no longer want to work the way they used to, or maybe it's the embarrassment of having a colostomy. You know, they're, they're there You know, for the dinner. They really don't have to eat the whole dinner, but, you know, they've got this bag, and they're feeling very self-conscious and embarrassed for that. So maybe the senior doesn't drive anymore, and so they don't want to be a bother or a burden to anyone because someone's right. going to have to pick them up, and then someone's going to have to take them home. And, you know, what if, they, what if they don't want to leave when I want to leave? Or it's, I don't want to be a burden that they have to take me. And you and I would think it's no big deal. We'll just give you a ride home. Yeah. But to them, it's, it's too much. It's well, overwhelming. You know,
1: when my mom's mom had Alzheimer's, she would always want to go out to eat. And then we would eat and then she'd be ready to go home and same cycle over and over again. But we already ate, you know, and she would want to leave when nobody else was ready to leave.
2: Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. So you need to, especially if you're, if you have somebody with Alzheimer's and dementia and you're traveling to somebody else's home for Thanksgiving dinner, A, bring a change of clothes because you never know. Accidents happen, and B. If you're going to somebody else's home, it's always advisable that there's a place for the person with Alzheimer's or dementia to um, distance themselves from all the activity and all the goings on, so they can have a a room, a quiet room. So it's best to have that conversation before you before, arrive. Before, before, mm-hmm. and even you may want to say, Todd, I'm bringing you know my dad this year and. You know, you may notice some changes with him. He's lost some weight and, um, you know, his hair is a little bit longer now and straggly. It's not that I'm not caring for him, but he has Alzheimer's. And these are some of the changes that are taking place. But just know that he's being well cared for. He just looks a little different this year. And if
1: he says something inappropriate.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't mind it. Yeah, <laughs> Just let her roll and if you are having guests into your home um make sure that there is a place for that person with alzheimer's or dementia to have that away in that quiet time because sometimes too much activity too many people there's uh it's it's too much for them it's too overwhelming it's too too much audio sensory stuff yeah. going on it's like having f- the conversations are like having eight different TVs going on different stations Mm -hmm. at the same time and you can't listen to any of them totally because it's too confusing. You can't focus in.
1: And you might have to leave early.
2: Right. And you might have to leave early. So be prepared. Yeah. So it's very overwhelming to them, especially when they don't go out for a while. Mm -hmm. If They live alone and they have to rely on other people to give them rides and stuff. Just understand that. So I have a Another story to tell you about um, another family I was talking to and their grandpa had Alzheimer's and the grandpa had a dog and a dog's a very good pet for people with Alzheimer's. Um, I don't know why that is. They're great companions. They have uh, agape love Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he would walk the dog all the time and he could, he could walk it just fine. But the family was worried as his Alzheimer's was progressing that he might not come back home walking the dog. And so after a while, you know, he was no longer able to walk the dog. But for a while, he would. And one Thanksgiving, his granddaughter, Becca, came over. And she was three years old. And she would sometimes stay with her grandparents uh, while her mom worked, the grandma and grandpa. And so her mom, Becca's mom, was coming to the house one day. And she described the visual of seeing her dad walking down the sidewalk, the back of him with the dog in one hand and this little miniature Becca uh-huh. <laughs> person in the other hand just walking away with the dog and she thought man, I hope I, Becca remembers how to get Grandpa back home uh-huh. <laughs> and she envisioned her Becca saying, okay Grandpa, let's turn around now we need to get back home and they would walk back home and you know, grandparents are, are such a blessing, aren't they? They um, We'll play the games when the parents don't right. have time. Do so you remember that game Candyland? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and they would play, you know, if there's a grandpa nearby, he'll sit down and he'll play that game over and over again. For me,
1: it was Yahtzee.
2: Oh, Yahtzee. Yeah. No, I remember Candyland. That was a fun game. So the grandparents just have incredible patience to sit and play for hours on end, maybe while we're doing something else, making the dinner or entertaining or whatever. So it's important to take that time and remember, especially as they're older and that grandpa's no longer the same grandpa. I mean, he is, but he isn't. To remember when you're visiting him and he wants to tell you a story. And it's the 26th time he's telling you the mm-hmm. story Will you just listen 27 times because yeah. it makes a difference.
1: And, you know, it's also a good time, Barbara, for people to talk about whether or not their parents and older loved ones have their legal affairs in order and and there's some best practices there too that are are similar to what you were describing with uh what changes might be happening. I I think a good way to approach it is to say I just had my will done. You know, describe what what you yourself have done as far as legal planning and then and then ask do you have these some of these same things, too.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I think um, one obstacle that I run into more often than I would like to is the power of attorney. Right. You want to talk a little bit about the it, importance of getting that done and it, what that it's means?
1: probably more necessary than the will um, because once your loved one's memory is totally gone, they're not going to be able to pay their bills or collect their income or do the banking that's necessary And so I say, get that one done first. And if you're going to do a will, do the power of attorney at the same time. Sure. I think that there's five legal documents everybody should have. The will, the power of attorney, the medical power of attorney, the directive, and the HIPAA release and authorization. And so when other clients come into my office with just a will... I say, where's the rest? (laughs) But if you go to an attorney that's primary practice is divorce or DWI or immigration or child custody, then they may not know that all of those things are important. So it's good to see an estate planning attorney, an attorney that focuses on that. And what I've started doing most recently is if I'm going to talk about incapacity, Uh, because it's related to the power of attorney, I talked to him about if you had to have help because of your failing health, would you want to stay home no matter what, even if the doctor says it's not in your best interest? Would you want to be in the nicest assisted living community in town? Or would you want to save the most money by qualifying for government benefits. Just to get them thinking about, you know, what is that gonna be like?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes I ask them if, you know, the importance of getting the powers of attorney and everything else in order is that if you don't, then you're gambling having the state make these decisions for you. And And I don't know that that I would want that. No. No.
1: Okay, well, Our show is almost over. I want to thank you for being here and talking to us about uh, the holidays with seniors. Okay. And if somebody wants to call you again.
2: 210-899-7080.
1: Barbara Lambert, president of Home to Home for Seniors. See you next time. Bye Bye.